The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church, the Wells Church of Hancock, Minnesota, preached on July 8, 2012, based on 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God through which the Holy Spirit directs our attention to our Savior who came as a ransom for all is the second lesson, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and accession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen. Combined in a certain way, those elements can form TNT, a deadly explosive. But combined in a different way, they are the formation. They, they form protein, which is the basic building block of life, politics, and religion. Don't mix, they say, and certainly. A lot of times when those two are mixed together, they create an explosive combination like TNT. Look, for example, at Iran, where religion dominates politics, forming a militant Islamic state. Or on the other hand, look at many churches in our country where their thoughts on politics have led them to forget about the true mission of the church, to proclaim Jesus Christ as the only Savior who brings us to God through his cross. Yes, the church and the state both need to remember that God has given them distinct roles and differing tools to carry out their God-given responsibilities. And as we think about that, we realize that mixing religion and politics in the wrong way does indeed create a very explosive situation. And yet, not mixing religion and politics, if they are never combined together in a right way, that's also a deadly situation. Just like if carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen are never combined, we wouldn't have deadly TNT, but we wouldn't have life either. So where must politics and religion come together? Right there in your heart, dear Christian, and in mine. For you see, we are both citizens and Christians. And unless we're going to leave some sort of double life of hypocrisy and deception, those two, politics and religion, mix inside of us each and every day. Now, how can we see to it that this mixing of religion and politics in our own hearts 
is for good and not for evil. Let's think about that as we take to heart these words that the Holy Spirit gave the Apostle Paul to write. For these words help us to answer that question as we see the Apostle urging us to pray for the nations. Remember that theme here today, dear friends. Pray for the nations. And as we begin part one here, let's let's focus in on that, that thought of who to pray for. Having just celebrated our country's birth, our birthday, maybe the first thought that comes when we hear about praying for the nations is to pray for our own country, for our fellow citizens, for our soldiers, sailors, airmen. And yes, that is true. We certainly pray for them, but not only for them. As we look at Paul's words here, he broadens our perspective beyond our own borders, doesn't he? I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Yes, not just our fellow Americans, but for all people. People from every nation. Pray for the nations. That includes our neighbor who upsets us, or the acquaintance who gossips about us, pray for them. It includes those who have recently come to our country and may not know our language or maybe not even come in the most legal of ways, pray for them. It includes the homosexual and the adulterer, the porn peddler and the drug dealer, the drunkard and the swindler, pray for them. And it goes far beyond our borders too, doesn't it? Pray for those in Syria who are suffering from the armed conflict there and also pray for those carrying out that conflict. Pray for the children in Africa, in Uganda, who are taken as soldiers and also pray for those who take them. Yes, pray even for the enemies of our country, like Al-Qaeda. Pray for all nations. All people. That's what Paul is writing here. And that's why our theme here isn't simply pray for the nation, as if we are only to pray for our own country, but pray for the nations, plural. All people. The good and the bad. And notice how Paul also brings to mind one particular group of all people. Pray for our leaders in government, for kings and all those in authority, he writes. And a little later in the second part, we'll see why he zeroes us in on that particular group. But maybe this is also food for our thought here, that so often our political leaders, our our politicians, our people we love to criticize and complain about, God wants us to pray for them. Pray for the nations. Pray for all people. Now why? Why pray for all people? Because they are included in God's desire to save. Notice how the text here talks of how about God wants all to be saved. He wants them to be saved by coming to know Jesus as their Savior, by coming to the knowledge of the truth. We pray for all people because they are the mission field. 
Doesn't that give us a new perspective to look at others? Especially groups that we may not particularly be fond of. You know, for example, those who, who might struggle with English or those who have an alternative lifestyle, they are a mission field. Pray for them. Pray because God wants them to be saved by coming to know Jesus as their Savior. By He wants them to be saved through faith in Jesus, just like you and me. For you see, each of them, like each one of us, is a creation of God. And because God is our creator, each and every one of us owes him complete and perfect obedience. Our conscience makes that clear. And yet each of them, just like each of us, has disobeyed God, breaking his laws. Each of us, just as each of them, deserves the judgment of death and hell. And who, who alone can rescue us from that judgment? Who can step between us and that punishment that we deserve? Only the God-man. Only Jesus Christ. He is the intermediary. He is the go-between. And don't think of him like a negotiator who works towards a compromise. He's not that kind of mediator. Rather, he stepped between us and God, becoming a human being like us in every way except without sin. He stepped between us and God and took the punishment that you and I have deserved. He gave himself as the ransom. And not just for you or for me, but the ransom for all people. That's how earnestly God wants all to be saved. That's how earnestly he wants them to come to know the truth of Jesus Christ. He gave his only son as the sacrifice, as the ransom that alone can set us free. God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Yes, pray for all people, for all nations, because Jesus died for each and every one of them. And that also gives us insight of what to pray for as we pray for all people, for all nations, doesn't it? We don't pray for them to succeed in their evil ways. No, we pray for them to come to that knowledge of the truth. The truth that sees how much they need Jesus, just like we need him. That they come to see that Jesus is that only, the only Savior, the only ransom that sets them free. We pray for them to know that it is only through faith in Jesus that they are right before God. Only through faith in Jesus are they saved, just like you and me. Pray for the nations, because God wants all to be saved through faith in Jesus. Now, as we move on to the second part here, we want to... Note how Paul draws our intention that as we pray for all people, we in particular pray for those who are above us in the government, for kings and all those in authority. Now why? Why does Paul draw our attention to that particular group? 
Well, it's because through the government, God channels or funnels certain earthly blessings that he wants to give to us as Christians. Through the government, the Lord blesses us with law and order, protecting us from rampant crime and foreign invasion. Through the government, he blesses us with a structured and ordered society so that we can carry on business and commerce, providing for ourselves and our families. And so Paul urges us here to pray for those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, as we think about this, we we need to guard our thoughts against a false understanding of these words. Because I think a lot of people hear about praying for the government so that we can get be, be blessed and, and sort of think of it this way. Oh, I should pray for, for our nation so that I can have a better life. And I think we see this infecting the mindset of so much around us and even ourselves when we look at how people make a, a very important decision in life. The decision of who to vote for who to put in charge over us as the elected authority. So often it seems that decision is made on the basis of who is going to make my earthly life better, who is going to advance my economic advantage. The experts tell us that the economy, more often than not, is what leads people to vote one way or another. And yet as we think about what Paul says here, we see that that kind of motive that looks at what's best for me isn't what is to be driving our life as a Christian, is it? If that's going to be our mindset for, the most, for, for, for that decision of who to vote for, there's a real danger that that also seeps into our motivation of praying for our country. And yet, that thought ignores that last phrase there in that section that we live in all godliness and holiness. And that also ignores the context here of how God wants all to be saved by coming to the knowledge of the truth. For you see, as we pray for those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives, we pray that not because a good life now secures our future, Not because a good life lets us pursue happiness and success. Not because a good life lets us enjoy ourselves. Rather, we want to have the Lord bless us with a peaceful and quiet life so that we can live in all godliness and holiness. That means so that we can live a life that glorifies our Father in heaven that honors his name, that spreads his kingdom to the hearts of others, that carries out his will here on this earth as we live our daily lives. In fact, when God blesses us with this peace and quiet quiet life, with prosperity, when he blesses us with, with so much more than we need for our basic food and clothing, you see how that gives us the resources and opportunity to glorify God all the more in our lives? 
And that brings us to examining our hearts and asking ourselves, do I use my money and my time, both very important resources, do I use my energy and effort in a way that lets others see just how important Jesus is to me? Does the way I live my life and use the abundance of what God has given me, does that show that I worship the God who wants all to be saved by coming to the knowledge of the truth? For even though we may look at the world around us and see others that have more abundance than we do, when you get right down to it, each and every one of us here has much, much more than most people who have walked the faces of this earth have had. The Lord has richly blessed us by giving our country peace and prosperity. Let us use those blessings to show that we worship the God who gave his Son as the ransom for all. We worship the God who wants all to be saved. And as we look at our hearts and lives, we see times, We have failed to do that. And that just emphasizes all the more, doesn't it, why we need Jesus. And God says he wants all to be saved. That includes you, dear friend. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for all, meaning you as well. He has stepped between you and the Holy God as the mediator, as the intermediary that takes the punishment in your place. He has done that for you. He is the ransom that sets you free and confident of what Jesus has done for you. Resolve to use what the Lord has blessed you with to spread his word of truth so that others know that God wants all to be saved. Yes, dear friends, pray for the nations For God grants us earthly peace and prosperity so that we can spread his truth. Religion and politics are certainly mixing in our hearts, just as carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen mix. And maybe a a closing thought here is is to think of another compound those four elements make, uh, the ammonium nitrate, That can be used as a wonderful fertilizer to produce a bountiful harvest, but it can also be used as an explosive in a car bomb. Think of yourself as ammonium nitrate, as religion and politics mix in your heart. Which one of those outcomes will it be for you? Pray for the nations, believing that God wants all to be saved through faith in his truth. Pray for the nations, using the earthly peace and prosperity the Lord has blessed you with to spread his word of truth. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.